Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Even today, six weeks after Easter, we still celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. Even today, on this day, May 13th, 2018, Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, and he will come again to make all things new. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality. And because it's a reality, it has real practical effects on our daily lives. And this is why for these Sundays of Easter and today we wrap up this series called Easter Effects. Because Easter does affect us. Today we conclude this sermon series with this theme, Easter Affects My Joy. Easter Affects My Joy. I think we all have an idea in our minds what joy looks like. Can you imagine in your mind somebody who looks joyful or acts joyful? What does someone that has joy look like? You probably have a picture in your mind. So we're going to put this to the test. I'm going to show some pictures one at a time on the screen, and I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you think that the, pic the picture of the person, or the person in the picture, looks like they are joyful, if they look like they're joyful, just raise your hand. All right? So here's picture one. Does this look like somebody who is, oh, the other one. There you go. Does this look like somebody who's full of joy? Raise your hand. All right. Okay, fair enough. How about the next one? Does this look like somebody that's full of joy? Raise your hand. All right. A few willing souls, or, or yeah? How about this next one? This. Uh, take a look at all those faces. There's a lot of faces. I don't, there's, I'll, I'll tell you the story behind the picture sometime. All right, how about the next one? Is this somebody that's filled with joy? Raise your hand. Or don't. How about the next one? Is this somebody that's filled with joy? Maybe. How about this very last one? Oh, oh okay, you think that I'm full of joy when I'm with my family, I guess. That's my mom. My mom and dad were here this, uh, this last weekend. They had to leave yesterday, but that's us uh, up on the beach in Eagle River. Obviously, my mom brings a lot of joy to my life, and she might even say I do to hers as well. All right? I was tickling her. That's why she's smiling. All right? Hey, you know, what, what do we think about joy? What do we think about joy? Every one of us, as I've said, we have these different ideas in our minds of what joy looks like. And I think many of us think that joy is an emotion. We think that joy is a result of a good event. I think many of, many of us equate joy with happiness. Yeah, maybe in your minds. Is joy the same thing as happiness? Now, maybe in worldly terms, these things could be synonymous joy and happiness. But let me be very clear with you today. Let me be very clear. The scriptures do not indicate for us, God does not give us a guarantee that if we believe in Jesus, we will be happy. Okay, That's nowhere in the Bible. But it is guaranteed to us that if we believe in Jesus, we will have joy. Joy is a biblical thing, and what I want you to hear today is that the biblical definition of joy is not just an emotion. It is a state of being that is given to us by Jesus. Joy is a 
is a way of being. It's not just a reactionary emotion. It is a way of being that Jesus gives to us. Today, the gospel lesson, which we just read from John chapter 17, that was a prayer of Jesus for his disciples. John chapter 17 is oftentimes called the high priestly prayer. Jesus spoke these words after he washed his disciples' feet, after he had the Last Supper. Right before Judas betrays him, Jesus went off on his own and he prayed. He lifted his eyes up to heaven and he prayed to his heavenly Father for his disciples. We just read about half of it in John 17. Uh, The high priestly prayer is about twice that long. We didn't read it all today. I encourage you to go home and read the whole thing. John 17, because there you see the heart of Jesus for his dear friends. And what we read is the very last verse, verse 13, is actually smack dab in the middle of Jesus' prayer. And what did it say in verse 13? It said these words. Jesus said this in verse 13. Now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. All right, Jesus here, again, this is Jesus' prayer with his Father. And what is he praying? He's praying for his friends, for his disciples, that what? That his joy, the joy of God Almighty, would be fulfilled in them. He wants them to have his joy. Now, this is not the first or only time that Jesus uh, speaks like this. Actually, if you just go back a few verses in John, back to chapter 16, that whole section Jesus is talking to his disciples about joy. Let me show you one verse here. This is in John chapter 16, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Here, Jesus is talking specifically to his disciples and telling them about how they will react when he dies and when he rises. He says, when I die, you will sorrow and the world will rejoice. They will think that they have won. Yet when I rise and I show up to you, you will have joy. Your sorrow will turn into joy. Here's the point. Here is Jesus' point in all of this. At the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sorrow is turned into joy. And so what we see in Jesus' words here is that when he is the resurrected Lord and Savior, when he shows up as resurrected Lord and Savior, joy is present. So it is like this. Resurrected joy equals Jesus. Or resurrected Jesus equals joy. I could say it either way. Resurrected Jesus equals joy joy. Where Jesus shows up as risen Lord and Savior, joy is present. That is the guarantee. That is the guarantee. Not just some fleeting emotion, reality. Where the resurrected Jesus is, there is joy. So think about it like this. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is everywhere. Yes? We take Jesus at his word that when he says, I am with you always. Jesus is everywhere, right? It's what he promised. And where Jesus is, there is joy. So this means that at all times, joy is always a possibility. If you were with us last week, 
Uh, the theme that, we, we, that I, t- I preached about last week was Easter affects my suffering. And in that sermon, I told you that Jesus is with you in your suffering. He's with you in your difficult times. And if you take this into consideration, that Jesus as risen Lord and Savior brings joy and he is always with you, it means that even in the midst of the most difficult suffering, there is the possibility for joy because Jesus is with you, because Jesus is there. It is so incredibly important for us to remember this, to know this truth and to live in this truth, because this world is hungry for joy. This world is desperate for joy. People desire joy. However, however, I don't think most people in this world use that word joy, do they? I'm not sure I hear it in daily living except when we sing that Christmas song, joy to the world. I don't think people talk about joy. I feel like that's more of a Christian thing, right? Most people talk about that other word, happiness, yes? And they equate joy with happiness. They, they think about happiness. Do you think those words are interchangeable? Maybe, maybe not, right? Joy and happiness. I hear it often from people, even, even within the church. I, I hear people often say, all I want in this life is to be happy. <laughs> I just want to be happy. I want to provide my children with an experience where they can be happy. It seems to be in this world that happiness is a high ideal that people strive after, in, in this culture at least. But, but what is happiness, right? What is happy, how is happiness defined? I, I think all of you would probably define it differently, or you may even struggle to define happiness. What is it, right? The founding fathers of our country, now they wanted happiness, right? They, they believed that people should have the inalienable right given to them by God to pursue happiness, right? Our founding fathers said that it was an inalienable right. So in the Declaration of Independence, they said those things that God gives us are what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Interesting, right? Life, liberty, and you can do what with happiness? Pursue it. You can pursue it. I, I don't know if you'll ever catch it, if you'll ever get it. But you can go after it if you would like, right? It's fleeting. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness always draws a line in the sand and runs away oftentimes, right? Those founding fathers, though they wanted happiness, they wanted people to be able to strive for happiness. And I don't disagree with this. Don't get me wrong. Happiness is not a bad thing. I believe that we should strive to be happy. But I will tell you that in our culture, I think that people are so obsessed with striving for happiness, that they make it out to be a god. Yes? I believe that people strive and pursue happiness so far that they even make it to be a god. And some will stop at nothing to get to that point of happiness. I read a book a couple years back in my seminary days. Uh, It's a book called Beyond Therapy. You can put that up on the screen. Beyond Therapy, Biotechnology and the Pursuit of Happiness. I just dusted it off my shelf the other day. Uh, But this book was a report by a council of bioethics that uh, George W. Bush, back in 2003, it's already 15 years ago, it's crazy. But in 2003, George W. Bush, president, 
commissioned a council on bioethics to do research on all the, the new coming biotechnologies, you know, DNA, gene therapy, all this stuff to, to change who you are. All those things and all the ethical questions that were going to be coming about because of that technology. So this book is a report to President Bush about their findings. And in this report, there are four main sections that they found that people are trying to use biotechnology to improve their lives, to strive after happiness. And here are their four groups. Better children, superior performance, ageless bodies, and happy souls. They found out that there is technology being developed to affect, to change people so that these things can be a reality. The better children, mothers, that's not a Mother's Day joke, all right? Um, this, is, this is a real thing. I mean, it, and uh, in 15 years, a lot of technology has changed, uh, but there, the technology is, is available in a sense to even make designer babies, right? For people to design in the womb, uh, what color hair, those kinds of things. It's, what's the line, right? What's the line on, on what you will do? This is what this report is about. The second one, superior performance. You hear about this with not only performance-enhancing drugs, but also ways that people can just be reprogrammed to be superior performers. Ageless bodies, believe it or not, people are pursuing these kinds of things to make their body last forever. Not just for longer, but forever. And happy souls, there are, there are technologies that are trying to be developed not only to give you a pill to affect your mood, but also to just reprogram you so that not only will you just react to happy situations, but even without a happy situation, you can just always be happy. These are real things that are out there, and this is 15 years old. So all of these ethical questions are out there. The reason I show you this today is the title of this report was Beyond Therapy, Biotechnology and the Pursuit of of happiness. People are doing many, many things, questionable ethical things, for the purpose of trying to get happiness out of these bodies. Just pause and think about this for a minute. For a minute. Think about all the things that you try to do in this life to make yourself happy and to make your loved one's lives happy. Would you use some of these biotechnologies to get to that end? Would you? Do you agree that happiness is a high ideal that many people are striving after? Yes or no? And what lengths will you go to to reach happiness? What will you do to get there? Again, happiness is not a bad thing. I, I don't think happiness is a bad thing. I, I like to be a very happy person. I'd rather be happy than sad, okay? But, but you can pursue happiness all that you want. And many times I think you'll even get there. But let me say this again. In the scriptures, Jesus never guarantees to us that if we believe in him, we will be happy. What he does guarantee to us is if we believe in him, we will have joy. We will have joy. Jesus guarantees joy. And so today, over above everything, simply what I want you to hear is this. That the biblical idea of joy, the biblical idea of joy, true and lasting joy, it is different than happiness. Joy is not something that you can achieve. It's not something you can buy. It's not something that you can attain. Christian joy is not achieved by you. Christian joy is given to you by God as a state of being in which you can always be. Why? 
because he is with you, right? Where the resurrected Jesus is, there is joy. We'll put this slide up on the screen. Where the resurrected Jesus is, there is joy. This is why today I tell you Easter affects your joy. Because why? Jesus rose from the dead. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he is with you always and he brings joy. Today is the last Sunday of Easter. In the church year, Easter lasts for six weeks. Today is the last Sunday of Easter. But can you remember, I don't know how many of you were here on Easter morning. Can you think back? Think back to Easter morning. Do you remember what it was like here, even in just this place? Do you remember the joy that was present here? Do you remember the little girls in their pastel dresses and the boys in their bow ties? you remember the chocolate-covered bunnies and the hidden Easter eggs at your homes? Do you remember the joy that was present in your lives on Easter? More than that, do you remember the story of Easter morning in the scriptures? Do you remember how Jesus showed up to those women in the garden and how when he showed himself there was overwhelming joy? How people ran to and fro to tell their friends that Jesus was alive? Do you remember the joy in the disciples' lives when Jesus showed up to them? Why was there joy? Why is there so much joy on Easter? Because of this. Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is truly and fully alive. Where the resurrected Jesus is, there is joy. And he has called you to be his very own, now and forever. And he has promised that he will show up in your life, in his word, and in his sacraments, and when his people gather together. And Jesus has promised that he will come back to make all things new. And until he returns, he has promised that he is with you, that he will give you life, and that through his resurrection, you can be truly and fully alive in his name. Jesus brings joy to you, and he wants his joy to be fulfilled in your life. My friends, just as negativity breeds negativity, joy breeds joy. Joy is contagious. And so I pray that you will live in this world in light of the joy of Jesus. This world needs you. This world needs people of great joy to bring the good news of salvation into this world. And I tell you, nobody can steal your joy from you. That is another promise of Jesus. No one can steal your joy because no one can steal you from Jesus. No one can snatch you from his hand. No one can steal you away from him. Let the joy of Jesus rule in your lives. He is present with you as, as risen Lord and Savior. It is my humble prayer that over these last six weeks that this sermon series on Easter effects has had positive effects on your life. I pray every week that God will speak through me to bring the good news of salvation into your life. I just want you to know, practically speaking, that each of our sermons that we have here are archived on our church website, on our church app. Feel free to watch or listen to those again. Share them with a friend or a family member who may also be impacted by this good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. When we come back next week, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about uh, two aspects of the essence of God that we don't often talk about. Next week is Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, and so we're going to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the Holy Spirit. We just don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And then the week after that is Holy Trinity Sunday. So we'll again try to make sense of who God is, three persons in one God. That's our plan for the next two weeks. But again, today as we close, I tell you this, Jesus is alive and Easter affects you. Easter affects your doubts, 
Easter affects your family. Easter affects your, your direction. Easter affects your vocation. Easter affects your suffering. And finally, Easter affects your joy. Go in the joy of Jesus. He is with you. He is alive, and so are you in his name. Go in his peace. Amen. Amen.